Welcome to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we help online coaches learn how to elevate their brand, become the experts in their industries, so they can bring in more clients and create a life they want. I am your host, Chris Anderson. And if you want to make a difference in the lives of others, share this episode, go over to Apple Podcasts and follow us there to leave a positive rating and review. And together we can leave a bigger positive mark on the world. Uh, today we have Adam Adams on the show today. You know, after selling his first podcast and seeing everything that it had done for his business, he founded his own company to serve podcasters uh, in a whole different way. And uh, knowing that successful business owners have already, you know, learned to stay in their own lane, right? We want to stay what we're focusing on and what we're good in our, our area of geniuses. Um, you know, those generate revenue generating activities. Adam founded Grow Your Show, which is an easy button for podcasters. And uh, he makes having a top rated podcast as easy as pressing record. So and it's exciting to have Adam on the show because we kind of are in the same market hearsay, kind of doing the same thing. But it's always awesome to connect with other like minded individuals so closely related. You know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there, uh, but being able to connect with someone kind of in the same area and just hearing their success, um, you know, fuels me as well. So, Adam, welcome to Elevate Your Brand. Hey, brother. Thanks for having me. I had you muted for a second. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Uh, excited to just chat with you and, and just learn from you and hear your story. And um, with that being said, you know, I'd love to, I kind of did the introduction thing, but high level, you know, what what's your story? You know, where have you come from uh, that got you to grow your show? Yeah. Um, growing up, my stepdad always said that we should have a business and passive income, you know, rentals and stuff like that. So that's how I grew up. He always had all of these things. And I think that owning your time is quite important. Being able to do whatever you want, uh, whenever you want, is uh, beautiful. So uh, my uh, goal that I've had throughout my life is to build a business kind of like Robert Kiyosaki, if your listener Mm -hmm. knows who that is. Um, Robert Kiyosaki built a business where he didn't have to do a lot of the work. He just owned it. And with all of the extra income that he made, he put it toward investments so that Mm. it could grow and have multiple streams of of income, but not just multiple streams, multiple passive streams or residual income. So that's been a big goal of mine uh, throughout my life. And I've built different businesses through uh, with that goal in mind. I think a lot of people kind of make the mistake where they, uh, let's just say, they say that they want to own their own business, but really what they end up doing is having a business that kind of owns them and runs them. And, um, you know, they're maybe they're working 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week and um, making about the same, uh, maybe a little more than they were when they were working for somebody else. And I just don't, I don't think that that's really the goal for anybody. So Mm -hmm. grow your show, my company, the, uh, a goal of the company is to let it run itself, let my team run, run everything. So I don't really have to be involved as much. Um, And same thing with like buying rentals, passive, passive income. I try to get property management companies. Um, So that's just a little bit about me and where I come from. And I think a good place to start for the interview. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really cool, you know, kind of have the same mindset as you, 
our time is our greatest commodity, right? And and it's so crucial and it goes so fast. I mean, we have a 10 month, 10 month old now. And so like, I even see it even more. I'm like, oh my goodness, like time just flies and, and being able to, you know, build something um, that allows me to have time, you know, more with him and with family and to be able to then invest into other things. Like I'm looking into getting into rentals, uh, by the end of the year, things like that. So I, I definitely resonate with that. And I think it's so crucial. I think a lot of yeah, entrepreneurs, you know, have that dream and vision of, you know, that freedom of time. And like you said, though, they end up getting a business that runs them instead. And so uh, I'm curious, you kind of answered why entrepreneurship now with that, but along your journey to get to where you are now, you know, what have been some of obstacles, hurdles that you've had to clear or get around, uh, to get to where you are today? Well, a big one is just getting, uh, the biggest obstacle I think for most people is themselves. <laughs> so, um, there's a lot to that. And this, is the, I've had to go through this in many, many ways. First and foremost, I want to be a millionaire tomorrow, right? Like a billionaire, uh, <laughs> overnight. Yeah. And I think that that kind of does us a disservice, uh, is that mentality of, yeah, not not being willing to put in the work, not being able to put in the effort or uh, keep things sustained for a long period of time. Mm. Many of us and the hurdles that I've, uh, I guess I you don't achieve a hurdle. <laughs> uh, many of the um, hurdles that I've come up to have been internal. It's mm-hmm. It's been like, I, A, I'm building a business, right? And I'm staying in my way. That's one hurdle (laughs) is that I think that I'm building a business, but I'm really building a job. Mm. And so uh, there's a lot of reasons why. One of those reasons is, you know what? Um, I'm the best at this. So I, why would I have, why would I offload that to somebody else when I can really do so well? Mm. Um, and I, I think a lot of people run into that issue. It's like, mm. I'm so good at this. This is my specialty. This is what I wanted to do. And now I'm, I'm afraid to le- turn over the reins to somebody else. I'm afraid mostly because I don't know if they'll be able to do it as well as me. And yep. that holds us back from being able to build what we really want. Um, other examples as we're going to turn over the rain is we feel like it's a, an expense. Mm. And I felt that way. This is a big hurdle that I had to go through is for a long time. I was like, I'm barely making what I want to make. Right. I'm I'm barely there or I'm below there or I'm above it, but not enough above it (laughs) that I can justify hiring somebody. Yep. All three. I mean, your listener is, is going to experience one or all of them. And so it, the thought process is, I'm not ready to hire because I'm not making enough money. And sometimes we just have to jump off the cliff. We have to take that leap of faith uh, and count on the bungee jump or uh, the cord or the parachute to, to be there when we need it. And it's, it's still intimidating. We're Mm -hmm. looking at the ground. It's far away. It's messing with our mind. We're not ready to jump. We're, We're not sure what will happen if we jump. And our brain tells us all of the things that can go wrong. Mm. We, um, we're naturally thinking, all right, the cord could break. All right, the whatever it is. And so it makes us more afraid to do it and take that leap of faith uh, 
And I think that that makes made me for a long time and probably your listener kind of slow down that uh, impact that they could be making on the world, slow mm. down the amount of income that they could be making for their bank account. Yeah. Uh, and so just getting over yourself is, is a big thing, but it's not all like uh, the obstacles that we approach are not all negative. It's not right. all, I might lose money. Sometimes it's, we don't have a barometer to be willing to make a certain amount of money. We've decided early on that people that make X amount of money are bad people. And so we we judge them. We say, oh, they're just crooks. They're just criminals. <laughs> they, they, all their money hungry. They're greedy. They're bad. And so then when we start to make, and this happened to me, when I started to make a certain level of income, it was, it became a thing where uh, subconsciously I had to self-sabotage. Mm. I had to say, I'm not worth, I, I can't be worthy of making a thousand dollars an hour. Right. That's crazy because I know doctors and attorneys who've been going to school for a long, long time and they have to work four hours in order to make how much I make in an hour. So I'm no better than them. I shouldn't make that. And then we're, we start to block the ability to make a mm -hmm. certain amount of money. We tell ourselves that we're bad people. We tell ourselves, I didn't want to be like this. We tell ourselves, I wanted to do this business for the right reason. And we start crying and getting emotional. <laughs> we wanted to do it for the right reason. And now we're making so much money. It feels like we're doing something wrong. It's hard. Mm. So th there's all of these mental games from hiring people, from getting out of your own way, from, from allowing others that are 90% as good as you to take over. And so you have five people that are 90% as good as you. Uh, you're basically 450% higher yep. than you were before. And you're doing nothing. You don't have to work anymore. <laughs> yeah. And of course, um, once the money really starts rolling in, we've got to be able to look at it as that we're blessing the lives of other people that yes. we are. Uh, I think it was Zig Ziglar who said, you'll have everything in life that you want. If you help enough other people get what they want, yep. the amount of money in your bank account is a direct reflection of how well you're helping other people. And so you, now we can think, man, I'm really helping a lot of people. We need to change our brains around. Uh, there's all that. There's also the fact that I'm I'm not an accountant and I, I effing hate that type of stuff. Like it's, it's the lo last thing that I want to do. Yeah. And um, and so you you got to find a way to to instead of and most likely this is going to resonate with the listener instead of overcoming all of your shortfalls by learning it and doing it yourself. Uh, we can take a page out of a book. I think it's called who, not how, mm. instead of how do I do this thing? It's who do I hire? Yep. Who do I hire? If I want to get interviewed on podcasts, yep. who do I hire? If I want to grow my business, who do I hire for my books? Cause I don't want to do them myself. <laughs> and so it, it's, just, it's just a lot of that. And, um, it's can be hard because some of this, it's hard to justify the expense up front. Mm -hmm. uh, one quick example, quick example is, um, <laughs> is attorney fees. Oh yeah. Um, a lot of times for contracts, um, for, for terms of service, for 
website um, compliance. We need to have a business attorney um, on our side to be able to make sure that we are complying with the law, that we are not um, over-promising and under-delivering, mm-hmm. and to make sure that it's spelled out clearly in case you ever need to split up with a client or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, one of the fees that I used to not pay for, it was attorney fees. And I thought I could look up different contracts and like kind of like pull things together. And they probably didn't work as well as me now when I spend, you know, 250 bucks an hour for somebody to work for um, four hours on something. A thousand bucks sounds like a lot. But ultimately, I'm making a thousand an hour. So that's only one hour of my time. Right. And uh, furthermore, it allows me to stay in my lane and keep making more thousands yep. while I offload that cost. So it, you kind of got to mess with your brain a little bit to be able to open up to these things that used to be called expenses mm. to something that maybe is called an investment. Like yep. I'm, I'm putting money with this attorney to create these contracts because it's going to save me hundreds of thousands of dollars throughout the course of the next couple of years. Um, and I'm only paying a uh, thousand or 2000 to him. Yeah. So it, it's, those are some of the things that I've had to get overcome. Absolutely. And I think those are all, you know, so relatable. Um, to, I think everyone will be able to at one point or another. And I know for me, one big thing, you know, when you delegate those tasks that I've noticed, you know, when you find other people to do it, your, 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 the things on your plate become a little bit lighter. And I feel like for me, I'm like, I'm not doing enough. Like, and so I start saying like, what do I need to do more? Like it almost like fights against me. Like, okay, maybe I need to take some stuff or add more that I don't necessarily need to, to feel like I'm doing more when it's, you know, it's growing and it's doing its thing without me. That was something I found. Uh, I'm like, I'm, like I don't have to do as much. <laughs> yeah. I I have like a little over 30 employees now and um, awesome. so that there's like um six managers mm-hmm. and one thing that is has been hard and I I just have to think of it like a blessing because it's actually really challenging. Uh-huh. So I reach out to my management team almost every day and mm-hmm. I and I ask them does anybody need me? Is there anything you guys need? Uh, does any, you know, like, and the problem is they generally say no. <laughs> and like, this is something that we all think of. This is a big, big blessing. We mm-hmm. wanted this. We were going for this, but it actually is very challenging to think that your company can run without you. Like it is, it is, it, F's with your brain so much. <laughs> yep. It's like, well, then what am I here? I'm useless. I got to start something else. I've got to get in my own way. I've got to, yeah. really, I've got to make problems in my company just so that I can fix them. Right. You know, um, and we, it's something that I've been struggling with a lot for the last year or two since the team has, for the most part, been able to do everything. Mm-hmm. And it's hard when they say, I don't, I'm fine. I'm good. I don't, I'm good too. No, uh, we're good. Nobody needs you. I'm like, well, I want <laughs> to be needed. Like one of the big human, uh, 
desires is contribution, mm-hmm. is growth, contribution. We want to feel like we're adding to something. And when nobody needs you, it it messes with you a little right. bit. Right. Yeah. It's something, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, I've heard like new levels, new devils. And as you keep growing, <laughs> there's always something new that you have to overcome or deal with. And I think that's kind of just how it is in the entrepreneur journey. There's always something that you have to, you'll have to grow through. Um, and so I think, you know, with that, a big part is our self, our mindset and just us, like you mentioned. And I think that's huge to remember. Um, so to get out of our own way, with that. But, you know, with that too, we have the obstacles, we have the hurdles, but we also, you know, have those moments of, of Eureka or the light bulb goes off or, or that, that spark happens. That kind of gets things going along your journey with your business. You know, does anything come to mind? Uh, those moments of, of, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like to elevate your, your business, your brand. Two big ones. Um, hiring my first VA cool. is uh, what's life-changing. I knew that I needed help. I, it was hard for me to get out of my own way. It was hard for me to even think straight because I was working um, probably almost 70 hours a week. And, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to offload anything to anybody. And I felt like if I, if I had got a VA, that I wouldn't even have time to like pour into them. Mm. Um, so let me say, share, how did I overcome this? I just did it. I just hired them and I'm embarrassed to say, but your listener might resonate with this. I'm kind of embarrassed because all I did for the first week or two is I had her just stay on a video call with me and look at my screen and watch what I do and how I do it. And she basically was required to do a couple of things. Mm. Um, uh, take like take good note of what was happening, what I was working on, and be there in case I said, "Hey, can you send this one email to this one person real quick?" Um, or "Hey, can you write this down? I this is something I wanted to do." So it helped me where she was just with me for uh-huh. like a week or two straight, really not working, but like being there, mm. and I started to be able to offload some stuff, and that spiraled into 32 employees, right? Yeah. That, that really helped. And the income went way, way, way up. Mm-hmm. The other thing you were at, so you're asking like, is there any like big aha moments, any big things that have kind of helped you? Yeah. The next one that I want to share is um, <laughs> maybe two. One is making sure you charge enough for your services. Yes. Um, where I think a lot of people, uh, this came from my entrepreneurship class uh, back in 2007, I think oh, wow. I was taking that class. And um, the teacher, I wanted to undercut everybody. I wanted mm-hmm. to give whatever people were giving, but to give it to them for a dollar less. And the teacher was like, that's dumb. Why would you do that? And I'm like, because I can, because then I get more clients. And they're <laughs> like, you shouldn't focus on beating people to the bottom. And uh, so that's been a big aha moment where I've been focused on charging a certain amount. And the number that I've gotten used to is trying to triple, doing my best to triple what I think it really costs me. And Mm. what ends up happening is it, it's only going to cost like, you're only going to make like 33% 
instead of making 66. Mm-hmm. But the point, the point being that um, it allows for profits. It allows for growth. It allows for marketing. It allows mm-hmm. for a hiring. It yep. allows for accounting. And um, so that's been a big thing for me as well. Um, the, the last one that I really wanted to talk about um, is a residual model. Mm. So for example, I used to sell like uh, a coaching, for example. Okay. Yep. And when I when I brought on a new client, it would be a decent amount. It would be forty two thousand nine ninety seven, right? Forty two nine ninety seven, and um, and that's a good amount of money. In fact, many people make that in a whole year. And you right. just for for me that was still a year, but it was one client. Yep. And I remember sometimes I would bring in three or four clients in one or two months. And so in like one or two months, I'd have a couple hundred grand in the bank and then I would spend it. Mm. I would spend it. I would, I wouldn't have it anymore. And then I would still need to serve that person through uh, the whole year. Yep. And so this model of, of getting big checks sometimes and feast and famine, you yeah. know, this model of feast and famine was absolutely stressful. Even when, even when I brought in three or four clients, yeah. I was stressed because I knew I had to serve them for a whole year. And, uh, I knew that I had to try to save the money as much as I could so that bills could be paid in case there was a fee, a famine. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at any rate, that model was fine. And I'm not telling people absolutely don't have any part of that. What I am saying is what I've found with my company is we've got now contracts. It's a, there's six month contracts, there's 12 months, there's 24 month contracts. Each thing has different price points and each thing has different reasons. And the model of marketing for other people's podcasts is residual mm-hmm. and my team does it all. So yep. I do something up front and then instead of getting one huge check, we get checks for 12 or 24 months straight. Yep. And the same, the same goes for editing people's podcasts. Um, we get paid weekly, whatever, uh, however many episodes they're doing a week. If it's, if it's, uh, we charge one seventy five, mm-hmm. right now as as we record, if yeah. prices might raise. Right, knows? right. But the point, the point being, like one hundred seventy five per episode, we charge one hundred seventy five per week, and then we um, we just keep staying with that person, and it's a fairly good price. It's hard to hard to beat it for what we offer. Yeah. Um, and that keeps that client with us for a long, long time. And same, same thing with like launching a podcast yep. instead of making it just consulting, which is what it used to be. I would just mm-hmm. sit there and tell you what to do. Yeah. I've switched it so that my team does what needs That'll to work. happen. Yep. And you pay us for a year for you. There's a small down payment. And then every single month for 12 months, you pay a smaller um, uh, residual mm. payment. And, um, at the end, generally those clients will stay with us a, because we did a good job, but B because, um, it's actually fairly affordable to stay with us, mm-hmm. you know, not the cheapest in town, right? Uh, like uh, what we talked about before, but, yep. uh, certainly the value is there. For sure. And so, so the, the, the main takeaway here is finding ways of creating residual Mm-hmm. recurring revenue yes. from one client versus selling something one time or doing an hour or two or three. Uh, 
it's no offense to my attorney because he's a freaking awesome guy. Uh, it's just that if he needs to make $250, he has to work for an hour. Right. And that's not where I want to be. Exactly. I, I want to make $250. I want my team to do everything. And yep. I think that that's a huge takeaway for um, the difference between self-employed and a business owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's so big that you said that because that was something that I struggled early on was, you know, charging the right price. I kind of the same thing. I, you know, I just wanted to make it, I just want to make a dollar to survive, you know, and pay things. And then I, you know, I got to the point, I, I can't do all this. Um, and you know, I, I ended up raising my prices uh, a lot compared to where I started and, you know, I'm still bringing in clients. I'm like, okay, this is nice. And I'm like, oh, Hey, I can, I can start now delegating and outsourcing and bringing people on to help. And, you know, then we can serve our clients better with, with the team we have and all that. And, um, it, it just is a game changer. Uh, now of course you, maybe you don't have a service-based business like, uh, like Adam and I do, but maybe you have a product, but you gotta, you gotta show the value. And then it's something that you can create and just kind of put out there. That's a different thing. But you've got to judge that based on your value and, and your time that's that's put into it for sure. But I think it's a huge thing to think about is, is the price and don't don't undercut yourself or sell yourself short for sure. Love it. Yeah. So uh, with this, I'm curious too. Like, if you could go back to yourself when you first started or when you were thinking about starting the business, is there anything? Now, obviously, our journey is is a huge part of where we are today, right? Uh, so we don't necessarily want to change anything, but is there something you would tell yourself or, or a piece of advice just to make it a little bit simpler? Maybe, uh, if you could go back. Yeah, there's a, there's a bit of dabbling for mm -hmm. most of us as we're starting businesses. Um, a, a good analogy. And I think this might come from a book called, um, uh, mastermind, or I'm trying to remember think okay. and grow rich. I think it is, but oh, okay. uh, the point, mm -hmm. the point is, uh, something that I would, go and, and tell myself is persistence and determination. The, this, um, this analogy that I was going to mention is it's called three feet from gold. Yep. And basically somebody bought some, uh, land thinking that it, they were going to be able to, you know, uh, use the mineral rights. And so they're, they're digging, 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 and they never went all the way. Yep. They stopped after some time. And I think a lot of, uh, entrepreneurs, they try a certain business, but it's, 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 they're not a millionaire overnight. And so mm -hmm. they're like, they're thinking that they did something wrong. They're thinking they're digging in the wrong place. When the truth is they're doing everything right. They're digging in the right place. The, the problem is that they're not digging long enough. Yes. They're, they're shallow. They're, they're, they quit before they strike the gold. And that, I think that's a huge thing where in junior high, um, I took band, I was, mm -hmm. a, I was a tuba player and my, my teacher, Mr. Brimhall, um, made us memorize a bunch of different quotes. One of the <laughs> quotes that we had to memorize was by Calvin Coolidge. I don't uh -huh. remember which president he was, but he's a good guy. <laughs> and, um, uh, we will just pretend like it's 19. Everybody's going to be curious go. if he's not right. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, Calvin Coolidge wrote a, um, a really interesting thing about persistence and determination saying that they, those two things alone are, uh, give you the endless potential or omnipotence. And basically saying that it's not how smart you are. It's not how talented you are. It's not how educated you are. 
it's really how much you can, um, how relentless you are. Mm. If you're not going to quit, that guy would have absolutely hit gold if he spent three more hours. Yep. If all he did is just three more hours to get those uh, uh, last couple of feet, he would have been there and he wouldn't have left something uh, sad, right? Yeah. And that's the same thing with us. And I've had this problem where in the real estate investing, mm. I went I went in and I tried assisted living. Okay. And assisted living was hard and, and uh, there was a lot of, uh, nuances and mm. laws and regulations. So I quit. Uh, and I said to myself, assisted living doesn't work. Mm. So then I try self-storage and I, I'm unable to get a self-storage unit. I tried for weeks and it sounds, sounds like a lot to some of us. Weeks is nothing. I tried for weeks to get a self-storage unit. I said, F this, that doesn't work. <laughs> Nobody's going to give me their self-storage units for a good deal. Things are getting harder. And I dabbled and I got three feet from gold and I quit. Mm. And then I tried another thing, fix and flips. Mm. And I was making money with fix and flips. But the problem is I was trading time for dollars. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, this does this isn't the model that I want either. And so I, then I w got into apartment investing. I'll tell you. Real quick, that apartment investing took me about a year and a half before closing on the first deal. And if I would have quit, I let's just say a year and five months, if I would have quit a year and five months in and said, man, I gave this a better try than I did with assisted living. I did a better try than I did with self-storage. And I did a better try than I did with uh, single family fix and flips uh, to buy and syndicate these huge apartment buildings. Um, I've done it for a year and five months. I'm going to quit. Then I would have had that other bad story to share today as well. But mm. uh, for that, I said, I was thinking about Mr. Brimhall and Calvin Coolidge. And I was thinking, man, my dad told me if I'm going to start something, I better finish it. And I feel like those other things would have worked if I gave him enough shot. Mm. So I'm going to give this enough of a shot. And, uh, lo and behold, maybe a month later, I, we close on our first one. Not even six weeks after that, we closed on our second one. Awesome. So six months, uh, a year, 18 months to six weeks to close on that second one. We bought two more in the next 12 months and two more in the next 12 months. And That's I had awesome. six apartment communities adding up to 1,400 doors, $100 million in assets uh, that I was a part of. I didn't yeah. own them by myself, but that I right. was able to be a part of and have this residual income. And it became... Uh, uh, it was only was so because I gave it a good go. And I think if I would have learned a little bit sooner about persistence and determination mm. and not quitting before you hit that gold, I think it would have been a little bit better. So that might be the advice I would give my 18 year old self. Yeah. Or if you've got a, if you've got a listener who needs to hear it, I, I definitely give them that advice as well. Such good advice too. And I remember, you know, it's crazy. I just started, you know, my entrepreneurial journey two years ago. I feel like it's been decades. I don't know if it's just the stress or what it is, but it just is went so fast, I guess, but it felt so long. And during, you know, the initial period where, you know, I'm just trying to figure out when the world I'm going to do and, you know, how I'm going to make money and all that. Like I just kept telling myself that story uh, of the three feet from gold. Like I would read it over and over. 
uh, and think and go rich and just like, Hey, you're three feet from gold. Just keep going, keep, keep going, be resilient. And, uh, yeah, I can't agree more on that. Like that's huge because they're, I mean, it's such a roller coaster and you just gotta keep going. I, those who, you know, pers- persist the longest are the ones that will succeed. If you stay focused on one thing and you're doing the right things in the right order and just stick with it, like most of the time you'll, you'll succeed in it. And, and a lot of people don't, it's because they, they, they stop three feet from gold. So yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And I did look up Coolidge was the 30th president. So we were off. What did I say? 2019th, 19th. <laughs> I mean, 29th, I think. No. <laughs> all right. So, but no, Adam, I, I've appreciated you being on here and sharing all this. And it's been a, a really good, insightful episode. And I think people can take a lot from what you shared with, with them. So, you know, where can people find you? I know you got growyourshow.com. Uh, if you're looking for podcast production and, and, and everything, they can check that out. Um, yeah. Where else can people connect with you and just learn more about you and your journey? Yeah. A free uh, way to, to learn more is just to go to the podcast on podcasting. So cool. wherever they're hearing this, uh, we've got the, a channel in the same place, the podcast on podcasting. And if do, excuse me, can't even talk. If people <laughs> do want to hire us, um, do a discovery call, then it's growyourshow.com. Yep. Perfect. Awesome. You guys definitely get connected. Just see all the great stuff they're doing. You know, there's so much room in the space. I love, you know, connecting with other people doing the podcast, editing, production, all that. It's just because with podcasting, we we can help so many people, you know, elevate their shows, grow their shows, uh, which makes a bigger impact in the world. And so being able to be a part of that um, together, being able to be a part of that together is just it's just really cool, Adam. So um, awesome to be connected with you. Awesome to having you on the show and be able to, you know, chat about all this. Um, and everyone listen, if you're watching this live, if you're listening to it live, if uh, you're, you know, doing all that on replay, uh, share this, get it out there with other people so we can make an impact together and extend our reach and, and make sure, you know, to go follow Adam's show, subscribe to, to this show and uh, just stay tuned in and continue to just elevate your brand and make a difference. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well.